Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, owner of Eanes Training, as well as a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hubka, and I'm the managing partner of Produce Learning. And like Chris, I am also a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad. We also have our producer, Helena Hodges. Now for this episode, we're interviewing Josh Cavalier. Welcome, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Well, you know, before I, and I love this topic, I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> before we dive into it, can you share a little bit about your background of, with our listeners and viewers? Oh, definitely. Uh, believe it or not, this is my 30th year in learning and development. I can't even believe it. Wow. Uh, so obviously, if you do the math, I got started in 1994 as an art director for an e-learning firm based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that that's what really set my career off right there, um, was really caught up in the bank merging that was happening in the 90s. And I was doing tons of CD-ROM based training that had huge budgets. It was so much fun. We were doing gamification and video even on CD-ROM back in the days. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, I started a business called Lodestone. It was one of the top Adobe authorized training partners in the United States, built that up to like five offices and eventually spun that down, got back into corporate five weeks before COVID hit. Oh. Uh, became a learning architect for a $5 billion supply chain company. That was fascinating. Did all kinds of large projects, uh, spun up Microsoft Teams for the whole company uh, during COVID, uh, a lot of data um, analytics uh, type products as far as sales um, training, that kind of thing. Then AI happened and got the bug Dove in deep, and in March of 2023, started JoshCavalier.ai. In that capacity, that shows up with online courses. I do webinars. I do workshops for clients and um, doing a lot of speaking these days. Uh, so next week, I'll be at ATD uh, Tech Knowledge, going to do ICE. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> so I'm keeping busy with AI. It's fascinating, and I can't wait to see what the future brings. Oh, I know. And it is, it's moving quickly now, it seems like. <laughs> so now for uh, diving into our topic, chat GPT for learning and development, for those folks that have maybe heard the term, and they're not quite sure what it is, can we first level set with what is chat GPT in general, and then specifically for L&D, and then we'll dive even further? Sure. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's a little confusing. You know, if they attempt to use chat GPT for the first time, it's kind of novel. Uh, but they might think, oh, these answers are coming from the Internet. Um, it could be coming from a database, which it is, but it's a different kind of database. And, you know, chat GPT is really, uh, in regards to the public, our first look at a large language model at scale. And so, you know, what that is, is essentially a software program that has been trained on billions, if not trillions of parameters mm -hmm. and through probability based upon the prompt or the words that we give it, it gives us a response back. 
Now, what's really scary is that some of those responses are really good. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, and I think that's what freaks people out is that depending upon the prompt, it gives you responses that depending upon the work that you're doing could be anywhere from 80 or 90% complete. So, uh, you know, large language models have been with us for quite some time. It's the chat interface. It's the ability to actually have a message box into it without having to do any programming. That was really the way that it set it off back in November of 2022. Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to see how quickly chat GPT has become part of the language just within workplaces. A lot of people have had a lot of curiosity. As far as learning and development is concerned, I would love to hear your thoughts on what how, how people might be able to get started with chat GPT. Cause I think there are a lot of people who might use it in their personal lives or maybe their day to day as, you know, a brainstorming partner. I've even heard people say, don't Google it go into ChatGPT and ask it a question and see what it comes up with. Right. How have you seen organizations or practitioners using ChatGPT in their day-to-day? -day? It's across the board. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it varies depending upon the type of organization and how risk adverse they are. Mm. Because I, I mean, out of the gate, like we're talking spring of 2023, I was consulting with some customers that they had their foot on the gas pedal and they were already trying to figure out how to use AI both internally and externally. And they're putting policies into place. They're thinking about training their own large language models and all kinds of craziness. Um, and then on the flip side, even at the start of 2024, I still have customers that don't even have an AI policy in place. Sure. Wow. So you, you have this wide range depending upon the size of the organization leadership and the way that they are taking a look at AI from a strategic standpoint, both internally and externally. So typically the way that I see that it shows up is really siloed and from the bottom up, as opposed from a top-down AI strategy. Now, that being the case, you know, everybody's really concerned about intellectual property. So for the most part, if it's, if it's siloed and it's an L&D department and they're working independently and there's no AI policy in place, they're typically like using chat GPT, or even if they don't have access to chat GPT, they're using it on their phone and then emailing themselves the work. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I see that kind of activity happening. Um, so it's really difficult to actually go in and just say, hey, as a whole, this is what LND is doing with chat GPT and AI. I think it, there, there's different you know, shades of gray that you see out there as far as implementation. Mm. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned um, intellectual property, and then I, kn I know copyright concerns are also there. Can you speak to those for the LND professional? Yeah, that's huge. You know, the one thing that's really difficult is when I go and go to a client site or even do a webinar or whatever, there's always a segment of the population that I'm engaging with that's extremely concerned about the ethics around using artificial intelligence, specifically copyright. So for those of you that are not familiar, what we're talking about is what these models have been trained on. and it seems like some of the models have been trained on copyrighted information, not just text, but also some models that are doing images and video and audio and things like that. So 
where does that stand? Well, it's working its way through the courts. You know, there is no legal precedent out there as far as these large entities, OpenAI, Microsoft, Anthropic, using copyrighted information. That'll get sorted out one way or the other. What we do know definitively is that if you use AI to create an image, an image, not text, an image, that it's not copyrightable. Um, text, most people are saying, well, they're going in and they're changing the text. But even then, I think that if there was a copyright issue with a, with text that was 100% uh, created with AI, it's not copyrightable. That That's my take on it. So, you know, you anytime that you're working with AI, you yourself as a professional need to determine what your relationship is with that. And are you good with the current situation in regards to copyright and other issues with AI? Yeah, I... Along those lines, you know, I thinking a little bit about, you know, even beyond copyright and what the output looks like. One question I've heard come up a number of times from some of the clients that I work with is what about the content and information that you're putting into chat GPT or, you know, really to any one of these, you know, AI content generators of sorts, as far as what they might be able to give to you for responses. Is there any reason to be concerned if you were to put in intellectual, you know, information that's covered by an intellectual property, um, you know, agreement, or if there's anything confidential or something, do we need to worry about what we are putting in there as ChatGPT is using that information? Or is there anything that uh, we should be thinking about as far as how we're phrasing some of these searches? Totally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Too many people have gotten into trouble for using IP uh, or uploading IP into chat GPT. Mm. Now, keep in mind, there are account or account types from OpenAI that are secure. So just to kind of give the quick rundown, you can have a free account that gives you access to the 3.5 model. You can have a plus account, which gives you access to the 4.0 model, which is superior. But there are no protections for your IP or your personal data that you're uploading. You're not going to go ahead and like upload a copy of your taxes and say, hey, what strategy <laughs> should I use here uh, in 2023 or yeah. for 2023 taxes? You don't want to do that. Now, keep in mind that there is a team option and also an enterprise option that does have data protection. Mm. So we know that any information that is uploaded is not retained or used to train the model. That's very specific to OpenAI, right? Mm -hmm. So again, you need to determine what kind of account do you have? And then if that's the, you know, if you have a plus account, it better not be any kind of, you know, corporate IP or secrets or anything like that. But you know, there are topics, there are, you know, different areas of skills or knowledge that's pretty wide open. You know, mm -hmm. if I was doing uh, leadership training or if I was doing, um, you know, uh, ESG, environment, social governance, right? As a matter of fact, that was the very first project that I used ChatGPT behind the corporate firewall using public facing information. I took the ESG report from the prior year, uploaded it to begin to produce multiple choice questions that was going to go on a learning experience platform. It was extremely helpful with distractors. 
you know, when you're writing 50 questions, those distractors <laughs> can take a long time mm-hmm. unless you use ChatGPT in a great prompt. Right. But that's really an example of, you know, when you get the green light to actually use corporate IP if it's public facing information. Yeah, nice. So well, speaking of of creating test questions yeah. and com- you know, <laughs> content or courses, one of the uh I've actually heard this uh, from a, a few people come right out of their mouths. It, it's cheating. So what is your, have you, I'm sure you've probably heard that before, right? So creating a course through ChatGPT, what is your, what would your, I know what mine would be, but what's your response to that? You know, it's, it's really interesting because when I first, the very, so ChatGPT was le- released uh, right around Thanksgiving uh, in November, 2022, I got my hands on it the first week in December. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was prompting all throughout December. My wife thought I was doing social media on my phone. I was not, I was prompting you know, <laughs> during the holidays. Uh-huh. Uh, come January though, get back into the office and immediately started using it. And I would have side conversations with a few other people that started to hear or started to use it. Mm-hmm. And it was in whispers. You know, it's like, hey, um, what do you think about this? And like, oh my God, dude, I wrote a script. I can't believe it. You know, and so, you know, from a professional standpoint, it initially it felt like cheating. And I don't, and there's, there's something about maintaining your integrity, right? Mm-hmm. And so you didn't, you didn't understand the relationship between you and AI, at least I didn't. I didn't understand the relationship between myself and AI. And it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm just going to take everything and copy it and just paste it, and just use it as <laughs> yeah. it is. I was always like updating it or changing it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I believe that if you are straight up like copying and pasting the work as is, mm-hmm. I think that's cheating. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, again, it's that relationship that you have with AI and it's your assistant. Yeah. Right. You got to maintain your integrity. You need to go ahead and, I see it just as a tool, right? And as we go through the process, now I could, you know, in my professional career, I have all kinds of different thoughts and ideas around learning science and, uh, you know, science of video and all kinds of different things like that. But, you know, I haven't written, you know, read every single book. Um, You know, there's all kinds of little facets or information I'm still learning. And it's awesome to have a tool that fills the gap for you. You know, you may not be proficient in a certain area. Like I'm horrible at writing mark marketing copy. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. You know, and so <laughs> same here. Right. Yeah. And so we now have these tools that make us show up a little bit better, mm-hmm. a better version of ourselves. But yeah. the thing is, is that we gotta maintain our professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. And I I think that as we move forward, people are gonna be they're gonna realize that, hey, wait, I, I need to really understand my craft before I truly use AI to the fullest extent, because people that don't quite know their craft are going to create really horrible outputs from AI because they don't know how to judge the content. You know, we haven't gotten to the point yet to where these systems can self judge. Like they can take a look at the outputs that they've created and, and, you know, rank or judge the the quality of the output. We're not there yet. So we need human intervention and I think that's the issue that we see today. And you can see it with, with certain posts or certain type of work that's out there. You're like, oh, it's AI generated. And immediately it loses all integrity. Yeah. 
I think that's fair. And, you know, you've reminded me too. I, I've actually loved using ChatGPT as a brainstorming partner. It's done wonders for boosting creativity and getting me thinking. But I can also think of two occasions where ChatGPT has gotten something wrong. One time when the information that it gave to me was just completely wrong. It was, it simply wasn't correct. Another time, and I thought this was interesting, it gave me a response. And then it actually corrected itself. I got a message that said, we're sorry. It looks like what we told you a moment ago is incorrect. Here is correct information. And I, I mentioned this because I'm curious about your thoughts on validating ChatGPT's responses to you. It seems that it is possible for ChatGPT to get something wrong. And while it certainly makes sense that you don't want to copy and paste something that you didn't create. You do want to be able to, you know, with, you know, uphold your own professional standards and ensure that things are correct. But what are your thoughts or even strategies on validating chat GPT's outputs? Yeah, I always review everything. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. And I mean, and just like working yesterday, um, like I had so many emails to catch up on. There was times where I was like going to chat GPT, just take the email it, they, they were asking a lot of information from me yeah. and as I had custom instructions on, and for those of you that are not familiar with custom instructions, this is information that you can give chat GPT prior to prompting. Like I can give them, give chat GPT information about myself, my tone of voice, um, who I am as a professional and it's reflected in the outputs. So that's yeah. custom instructions, but I was just like taking their emails and, putting it into chat GPT saying, Hey, I just got this email. How should I respond? (laughs) (laughs) This is like, you know, my willpower is like, you know, we've all been there. (laughs) I'm like, Holy crap. This is great. Like, Uh this is like really good. I just need to change this, this, and this, and I'm done. Uh Yeah. And I think, you know, but again, you're still maintaining your professionalism. It's just like, it's just giving you a boost or, and as you mentioned, like a creative partner Yeah, and you got to look at it like that. And I think so many people are like, Oh, it's going to automate and it's just going to go ahead and take our (laughs) jobs. I just, I just don't see it that way. Even if we get to automation and I've talked to a few people that are doing autonomous agents right now, I, I believe that we'll get to a point to where we are the conductors and Mm. the AI we're orchestrating the AI. And at a certain point, AI is going to be like, whoa, I need eyes on this. And I'm talking human eyes. So it'll, it'll go in, start doing a whole bunch of work for us. And then it'll hit the pause button and go, I need you to look at this image. I need you to look at this copy. I need you to look at this e-learning course, right? There has to be a human evaluation. Mm-hmm. And then it, can, then it can continue on with its process. I don't think yeah. it's going to be fully automated. Yeah. Yeah. I, my favorite prompt is make this better. And then I'll paste <laughs> yeah, right? like my email. <laughs> So, so I'm hearing this, this is an amazing tool and it's also important that we have knowledge in the area so that we can make sure and create a a good prompt. And then we can also verify and judge what comes out of that. Is there anything else you want us to know about uh, chat GBT for L and D? Yeah. Just keep in mind that even the creators of large language models, open AI, they're still learning about how it works. And even the experts, people that I yeah. would consider expert, we are still trying to understand this weird combination of uh, natural language, human psychology and programming. 
It is wild. I mean, some of the research that comes out, it blows my mind that you can tell or, you know, tell a large language model that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and give you a $200 tip if you make this better. And it creates better content. Well, what is that about? Like, I mean, how, how does that work? You know, to the point to where you are, you know, encouraging or using language or using certain words that elicit better results uh, through tipping or um, take a, you know, take a pause and breathe and then give me a response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That also gives you better, you know, better solutions. Yeah. It's wild. It's a, it's an incredible time to be in learning and development. Is it not? <laughs> it is. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're just getting started too. You have to mm-hmm. keep in mind that, you know, there, there's two major components that really make up artificial or at least generative AI, it's data and it's compute power. Mm. And we're, we're getting models that have more information in them. Uh, we have these large uh, closed end vendors like OpenAI and Microsoft and Meta. They are scaling up their architectures to the sum of billions of dollars. Mm. And really we've only scratched the surface with multimodal, which is you know yeah. the ability to go ahead and create multiple mediums or multiple outputs from a model. We kind of see it a little bit with Dolly and creating images and chat GPT, but using yeah. the Dolly engine. But I believe with you know either GPT four five or five, it's gonna be true multimodal to where you can go ahead and all kinds of different inputs, which could be text, image, audio, video code, 3D images. I mean, it goes on and on. And then you have those various outputs, right? Yeah. Uh, If we look at Google's product, Gemini, that's a true multimodal model uh, to where you'll be able to go ahead and do inputs and outputs. So eventually we'll be able to take a video, upload it into ChatGPT, and it'll give us a transcript. And then from that video, be able to go ahead and, you know, uh, give us closed captions and then trans. Trans, take the transcription and give me a blog post or uh, create mm. some marketing content or start an e-learning course or whatever the case may be. And there's yeah. so many different ways of, we'll be able to take the information and transform it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to be part of that. And I'm thrilled that we had you here to introduce us to this topic. I know for a lot of practitioners, this is new. This is very new. And like you said, there are organizations who have policies, who don't have policies, who are jumping in, who are begging their team members to not use it because they don't know it or trust it yet. So we've got quite a bit that we're learning and we're all learning it together. So I've, I've loved this overview very much. I really appreciate it. And I'm really glad that we've had, we have a few final moments together because we have three final questions for you and you are welcome to bring up chat gpt feed them these questions in real time see what they come (laughs) up with okay well let me uh, (laughs) (laughs) so at the end of every episode we like to ask our three rapid fire style questions you get 60 seconds or so to tell us your thoughts and responses what do you think are you ready for the first one sure All right. First question for you today is give us one book that everyone must read and why. All right. So one of my favorite books of all time is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Mm, Kahneman. Great one. And it has completely transformed the way that I think about cognitive load. And Kahneman gets into system one, which is our very fast reaction type thinking. And then system two, which requires a lot of work on our part. And I think the one big takeaway that I have from this book is from a physiological standpoint, our body 
is affected by hard, hard topics. Or when your mind gets tapped out or you have cognitive load, like your pupils will actually go ahead and close. Like it's, it's wild. Like there's a physiological change when things become tough. Um, and so that was like, that's a must read book again, thinking fast and slow by Kahneman. Yeah. I have to second that it is a game changer in a lot of ways. That's a great selection. Second question for you is what is one tool that you can't live without? Chat GPT. <laughs> I, I kind of knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that's like, you know, that's, that's an easy answer, but after a year of using this tool, specifically GPT-4, there has yet to be another tool to exceed the outputs that I'm getting from this one model. And this is, you know, prompt engineering, I believe, is going to be around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. You could wait to go ahead and learn how to prompt chat GPT, but don't. I think you're going to be well served moving forward when you understand the nuances of prompt engineering, whether you're using chat GPT or Microsoft Copilot or even eventually prompting inside of Storyline or Captivate or Lectora or some other e-learning development tool. Prompting is going to be with us for a while. But yeah, chat, G- chat GPT, GPT-4 by far my favorite tool. Oh, that's a good one. And again, not surprised. I think you're right on as far as tools that are really important. Last question for you today is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Stay curious and keep learning. Because once you stop learning, you stop growing. And uh, over my career, multiple people have said that to me, but in different ways you know, and I have, and there they are. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Right at the end. But um, you see, that is the, even now, especially with AI, um, I I think you need to at least put aside five minutes, 10 minutes a day and and take some time and and learn about it. Don't be afraid of it uh, because it's going to be a part of our lives moving forward. So yeah, stay curious, um, keep learning and um, keep growing. Mm, That's great advice. It is. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Josh. I really appreciate it. I had fun today. Mm. This is wonderful. And of course, we want to thank our community for listening or watching. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you a member of the Metro DC chapter of ATD? We have resources just for you. Go to dsatd.org and select the members-only section of resources to access our digital library, member directory, and chapter documents. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review. 